On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Armando Roggio from Practical E-Commerce, etc. Um, I've actually, uh, I've known the guys over at Practical E-Commerce for quite a while. I was on their podcast and I was so excited to have Armando over on our podcast talking about his vast experience in e-commerce and really just laying out what you need to do to be successful in 2021. And he's had so much experience. It, it was just a great conversation and I think you guys love this one. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. I have with me Armando Rogio. No, Rogio. Rogio, yep. I know you're thinking, oh, are you going to stop it and try that again? Absolutely not. I get names wrong probably three out of four times, and uh, and I don't mean to. <laughs> you know what? Uh, there, is, there is no standard for naming. So, you know, you can spell a name lots of different ways and say it just about any way you want. So uh, I have no problem with the occasional mispronunciation, but it is Rogio. Okay, perfect. Okay, I've got. I'm gonna try it again later, and uh, and then we'll we'll go from there. Armando, for people who don't know you, um, first of all, I know you um from Practical E-commerce, and we're at Mindful Marketing. We're good partners with Practical E-commerce. Carrie and I talk. I would say two or three times a week. We're just yeah, it's uh it's a great relationship that we have with you guys. You guys are an incredible resource at Practical E-commerce for e-com companies uh, of all sizes, right? It's incredible. So for people who don't know you, can you tell Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do exactly. Well, at Presley Commerce, I have the privilege of publishing an article or two uh, each week about e-commerce. And Carrie gives me a ton of latitude. So a lot of the writers at Presley Commerce have kind of their area of focus. Carrie basically lets me do whatever I want. And I'm, I greatly appreciate that. It's probably because I've been writing for him for about 12 years. Uh, and wow. then more recently, I have uh, become the, the host of Commerce Co., which is a community that we've created as well. So that's what I do for Practically Commerce. Beside that, uh, I am a e-commerce content marketing and uh, marketing consultant. And I have uh, a few clients that I help with. I am uh, more of the consultant, less of the practitioner in those relationships where I help people come up with uh, you know, a strategy, uh, define for them some things that they can implement. And then they'll typically do that with their own team. That's who I am in a nutshell, Jordan. Awesome. Now, Armando, you didn't just you know, start writing for practical e-commerce out of nowhere. You've actually run and, and scaled to some extent an e-commerce store of your own. I'd love to like just chat a little bit about that and sort of how that has you know helped you, uh, especially with your consulting and, and all of that. Well, um, let me say this. So I have been involved in advertising and marketing since uh, 1996, which is about 25 years now. But in beginning of 2005, maybe the end of 2004, I, I did start 
an e-commerce business. The way that happened actually was very family oriented. So uh, I am of uh, Italian and Dutch background. And in Italian families, it's not uncommon to have a multi-generational household. So my entire adult life has been a multi-generational house of three to four generations living in the same roof. And uh, there's some incredible things that happen. Uh, One of my children, his name is Giovanni, and my father, who was living at the time, my dad was born in 1920s, who was already quite elderly at this point. They formed really an amazing bond in that time frame, uh, 2004, 2005. And it happened because of old Western movies. So my son would come and sit on my dad's lap and watch Western TV shows and Western movies from like the 1930s. Uh, You know, heroes you've probably never heard of, Hopalong Cassidy, et cetera. And this was really such a beautiful relationship that his mom and I wanted to encourage Giovanni. So we wanted to get him Western-themed, cowboy-themed toys. And there was, you know, a trip I had taken, a business trip. I was in San Jose, California. I picked up a little gift for each of my kids, and I was trying to find a cap gun for Giovanni. And at that time, in San Jose, California, finding a cap gun that looked like a cowboy gun in any way was basically impossible. I went to a couple specialty stores, I went to Walmart, nothing. And it was that moment that occurred to me that I'm not the only parent who has a kid who's interested in this kind of thing. So a few months later, I started Cowboy Toys and More, which was a uh, online Western themed toy store. We cool. uh, we ordered like, I, th- I think I was trying to look up the initial order knowing that'd be on the podcast, but I think my wife and I ordered about five to $6,000 worth of Western themed to- toys. We stocked them in our garage. We put up a, uh, a Yahoo shopping website and uh, we started to sell. And, and was that really all there was at the time? Like, like there probably wasn't. I'm sure Shopify didn't exist back then. And it didn't. Anything. We later went to Magento. Oh, okay. It was probably a year or so later. But yeah, Yahoo Shopping is where we get started. And over about the next five years, we grew that from zero to the low hundreds of thousands in annual revenue. And uh, it was an incredible experience. Uh, literally, even as the company was selling into the low six figures, the entire list of employees, roster employees was myself, my wife, and whichever child we forced into labor at that moment. <laughs> so that uh, was really, in that sense, a family business. So that's that's how I got started. In- and then what happened? Did you end up exiting? Did you just shut down? What? Where did that go from there? Well, let me say this. As I was going through that process, what I really discovered is that I liked e-commerce a lot, right? I've worked in it ever since. But I was actually more passionate, more excited about sharing what I was learning and Mm. helping people sort of move faster through the problems than I had. So, you know, uh, whether it was in PPC, early, early pay-per-click advertising, whether it was in website, I, I developed my own Magento theme writing that, you know, I was enjoying sharing about the business. And uh, that's really where I started to toward. So 2010, basically, after about five years, I went to work for an omni-channel retailer as they're uh, leading their their marketing department and their e-commerce department. They had uh, stores in Oregon and, and Idaho, which is where I live, and were online selling really through every channel available at the time, Amazon, et cetera. And they were farm and ranch chain. And it turned out they had some of the same products. And so In hindsight, I probably should have sold the company. What we really did is we sold down the inventory and then shuttered at that point. And around that same time was the same time that I also started writing for practically commerce. And so that's kind of where I forked off from being the owner of my own store to working in e-commerce and retail at a much bigger company, hundreds of millions of dollars, and then uh, also writing for Pets.com. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So bring us up to, to date now. What does the average day for you look like? Like, you're, you know, you're you're helping people. There's obviously a bunch of research that has to go into that. And just, just for a quick aside for our listeners, practically e-commerce has 
really incredible information. We actually have a, a partnership where I actually um, create YouTube videos based off of your content because it's that good, right? It's just great content. Why would I go and research and make all of this content myself when you guys have incredible content? So what, what does a week look like for you right now? And then I'm looking forward to getting into how you help companies scale with your consulting as well. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in you know how companies can take advantage of that too. So sure. So for me, most recently, we've launched uh, Commerce Go by Hearts of Commerce, which is an online community. It's paid, it's gated. And uh, getting it started, I'm trying to encourage folks to come and join. We have some special content that goes into that. Each and every week, we do a live event. So in fact, just before this recording, I was on with a gentleman named Robert Brady, who is a pay-per-click expert. And we were talking about how you would master a little bit some of the you know Google ads. And I know that your firm, Mindful Marketing, also pay-per-click experts. But we did that with them. We've had on Raj Dadada, who is the CEO of Bloomreach. We have spoken with several companies and this is exclusive content to that community. So that's a big part of my day right now is scheduling those and working with those speakers to have them come and join us in Commerce Cap. Also, there is some research. A lot of the articles that I write, if you see me writing an article, there's a really good chance I'm dealing with that issue in my consultancy as I'm working with a client. When I was the director of marketing for that farm and ranch chain, you could see what I was doing at the company if you followed my articles. So a lot of the research that I do is related to trying to solve an actual real problem in a real e-commerce business right now. And therefore it's the topic in front of me. It does make it easier for me in terms of what I write. Does that help answer the question? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's absolutely great. I mean, I, I can think in my own life that I do that all the time, right? I'm like, oh, uh, if I have this problem, I'll bet you a lot of other people have this exact same problem. Well, hey, let's solve it for myself and for everyone else because it, it's a problem that we're all having. So absolutely, I, I love that. Let's talk content-wise for e-commerce stores in particular because that, that is something that, that you help with. What's some pillar content for people? Where do you start with that? So uh, when I think of pillar content, the thing that comes to my mind is the pillar content that you find in like a uh, topic cluster, right? So it's this thing that's at the center of several different pieces of content meant to help uh, attract folks who might have questions. So if that's what you mean by pillar content, let me say this. I think that content marketing is one of the most powerful things right now that e-commerce companies can do. And uh, definition of content marketing changes uh, from place to place or person to person. But I call it the actor process of creating, publishing, and promoting content in order to attract, engage, and retain customers. And I think it's, it's very powerful in that sense. I also think it's systematic. So I don't think that content marketing is a sort of something that is, you know, sort of thrown together. I think you have a plan, a strategy, and a system. So what I'm doing right now with the e-commerce companies I work with around content is I'm identifying what are the important topics that their audience will be interested in. So just off the top of my head, if, for example, you have someone who is an auto parts store online and they might have, you know, a, an audience of do-it-yourself auto repair folks, someone who's going to change their own oil, make minor yeah. repairs themselves. So a topic, pillar topic for them might be like, and again, just making this up off the top of my head, but it might be like the, you know, the home oil change checklist, right? And it's everything that you need to know about your home oil change. It includes links to particular videos if you have questions. And I, I would put that at the center of a topic cluster on their site. And then I would create content around that that might be, you know, hey, what are the 10 best oils or, or what are the difference between the various engine oils that you'd use? You know, what about oil filter? How do you tell oil filter quality? And each of those pieces would be kind of on a spoke around that hub, linking back to that central pillar content where I would probably have some kind of a lead capture or newsletter 
better capture some way of engaging the customer next. So that's how I kind of think about it. If I sum it up, you know, I'm going to pick a pillar topic that is very closely associated with the product or industry the business serves, try to develop and, and using keyword research, really try to develop a, a, a sort of circle around that of supporting content, and then use that to attract uh, an audience to the e-commerce company. Did that answer your question, Jordan? That completely answered my question. Yes. I, I, I wanted to like kind of get into your brain a little bit and figure out like, well, how do you plan out content, right? Because I think that from my experience, the majority of e-com stores are not running a lot of content, right? That is not part of their their marketing mix whatsoever. I'm interested to know, you know, is content a play for everyone? Like, is it is it worthwhile for every brand? Like I think of our uh, our clothing brands. I'm like, would we start a content? We're, we're not doing tons of content marketing, right? Uh, as far as actually writing, you know, a lot of meaningful sort of content like that. What would you suggest for, for brands that really don't think that they need it? Well, so here, here's the, the beauty of what I do is that uh, I tend to work with brands who think they do need it, which is why they came to find me versus the other way around. So, but if I was going to talk about it, my one of my favorite examples, and I have no affiliation with them whatsoever, is uh, Mr. Porter. So Mr. Porter is a high-end men's apparel company. I think they're owned by Netta Porter. I'm not sure of the exact relationship. And they have on their site what they call the journal, which is effectively a blog. If you go and look at this thing, it is good, high-quality content, magazine-level content. In fact, I've, uh, I've talked about it before. I've actually compared articles from Mr. Porter about a given topic to an article from GQ magazine about the yeah. other topic. And when you look at them next to each other, Mr. Porter's is better, right? It's, mm. it's better quality. And what they're doing is they are building a relationship with customers through content before that customer is even necessarily a customer, right? Before they've purchased, and I joke about this, a $400 sweater from Mr. Porter, they've you know come to read Mr. Porter's content. And this content isn't necessarily even about clothing. I'm pretty sure they have a good article about making a martini. They have articles about where to vacation. So they're targeting the lifestyle of, of their potential customer and Smart. building a relationship before they even um, you know try to make a sale. You do something amazing, actually, that I borrowed uh, from you and have recommended to a couple of people in your own Light and Lively store where you have sent videos to people and asked them to come and join a community after they've made a purchase. I think yes. that's amazing. And I think that community is a great place to use some of your content, right? It, to give them information that really is exclusive to them because they're a customer of your business. So I think there are lots of applications for content for e-commerce companies in those areas I mentioned, the ability to attract new customers to your site who maybe aren't ready to buy today, but will be soon to continue to engage people who are on your email news list so that they're not always getting, hey, this is what's for sale. Sometimes they're getting something that brings them some value and yeah. then really retaining them through, you know, you guys do an amazing job with your community. And now you've got some exclusive content you're sharing with that community to help them enjoy both the products that you provide and their lifestyle generally. Nice, nice. That totally makes sense to me to to focus on lifestyle with, especially with with apparel brands, right? And I think there's quite a few apparel brands who listen to this podcast. That lifestyle content, of course, that makes sense. I love that uh, the Mr. Porter idea of you know martinis and all that sort of stuff, right? That really speaks of the lifestyle and and of the class too, right? It's good. You're getting the right people reading the right articles, right? Or you're, you're attracting the right people onto the site with, with that content. I think that's exactly right. And I think it is part of what has to happen to really continue to be competitive in e-commerce. Because in my humble opinion, it is getting uh, very, very difficult 
to sell the same product as everyone else or a very similar product as everyone else and compete with growing, much growing uh, or much bigger companies, Amazon, Walmart, et cetera. You have to find something that is unique about either the product you're selling or the proposition or the relationship. And I think content can be that thing that helps you um, have a different relationship with the customer than say one of these large marketplaces. And I'm of the opinion that this is going to be increasingly true as, because I actually think that some of the things we're seeing right now, for example, in China, with the way that the largest e-commerce companies in China are integrating, I think that's going to come to the West, to the US. And I think that's going to make it more difficult, relatively speaking, for an e-commerce business that isn't doing content to differentiate. Mm, Great, great thoughts. I absolutely love this. Armando, I got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. What is your secret to scaling? So my secret to scaling is to find a blue ocean. Uh, Blue ocean strategy, of course, is the idea of simultaneously keeping costs down while differentiating so that you create a different market uh, or a niche in the market. Uh, You Mm. can, of course, read the book about blue ocean strategy, but that's my secret to scaling. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Nobody has ever said that before. That's a great answer. Awesome. Well, I'd like to be unique. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Armando, we are going to move on to our lightning round here. I hope you are ready. I think I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? So Podium is my favorite tool or app right now. Uh, Uh, What is Podium for again? I don't know. Podium is a a messaging app. So you can use it to replace, if you will, chat on your website, but it uses text. So it it actually gets the person on their phone texting with you mobile. If your site has a lot of mobile visitors, I think it's a little bit superior to web chat. I didn't like the product the first time I talked to them, but they convinced me I tried it and I love it. Oh, awesome. Podium. Okay, sweet. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. That's that's wonderful. Uh, Another question for you. What is your favorite podcast or audio book that you're listening to right now? So the audiobook that I'm listening to is actually one I've listened to before, and it's it's uh, Traction. I'm uh, this is like my third time through it by Gino Wickman. It is the underlying book of the EOS or Entrepreneur Operating System. If you have a business with 250 employees or less and you don't have an operating system, you're not working on your business enough. You should listen to or read Traction. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I've I've gone through Traction. We don't run uh, EOS, but something similar to to that. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think he actually is just releasing. He was just doing a little book podcast tour recently uh again i forget what the the newest one is about just a brilliant person just he absolutely all he wants to do now is just give 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 right like so so inspiring awesome and i've heard you talk about the go giver on on the podcast before as a popular book i think it was uh pretty recently as well so when you mentioned give that popped into my head Yes. Oh man. What a good book. I remember when, when uh, somebody gave it to me, it was a, a mentor of mine gave it to me. And I was like, I read the thing. I was like, this sounds like a stupid book. Like, I don't <laughs> want to read this. And I read it. And again, life-changing just it's, it's, it's altering the the map that you use, you know, like in, um, in seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey or whatever, one of the Coveys talks about, you know, you wouldn't go to New York with a map of Boston, right? It just wouldn't make sense. And so creating, for me, the biggest leverage is creating new maps, right? Or accurate maps of the world. And a book like The Go-Giver does that, right? And it, it shifts your reality. You're like, oh, this is all just about giving, right? This, that's what this is all about. And not this taking mentality like the, like the person has at the beginning of the, uh, of the book, right? All he wants to do is just extract all this value. And that's just, it's just not a fun way to live. <laughs> it sucks. 
Agreed. Anyway, I feel like I'm going on preaching about stuff right now, but uh, I got one more question for you, Armando. If uh, you could meet with anybody for an hour, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, uh, they have to be alive, who would it be? So that one I wasn't necessarily prepared for. So let me think off the top of my head. Have to be alive because that takes out some of my favorites, actually. For one hour. I mean, you could do somebody who's not alive. If you've got somebody good, you go ahead. All right. Well, I- I'm going to go with C.S. Lewis then. And uh, oh, the reason. Good I- answer. Okay. The reason I picked Lewis, you actually mentioned coffee. So if I paraphrase C.S. Lewis, I think he said, there's never enough books. He actually said tea or coffee to make me happy. And I 100% agree with him on that. So we should definitely talk about it. Uh, So C.S. Lewis is one of those people I feel like I reference in so many parts of my life. Like what an incredible, with with my kids, they're seven, five and almost and uh, one and a half. And the seven and the five-year-old, I want to get them into into the whole Chronicles of Narnia because I just remember such good memories of that. And there's just so many, I I don't even know how many C.S. Lewis books I've read over the years. But like, yeah, just a really profound writer. That's a good answer. I'm glad that I gave you uh, the leeway on there. Well, thank you. I do appreciate it. <laughs> the other thing about right. C.S. Lewis is I'm pretty sure he would also indulge in a beer, which would even make me a little happier. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I could see him and, and J.R. Tolkien together doing all sorts of stuff to, to get the juices flowing. So agreed. Yeah. Uh, maybe more on the Tolkien side. But yeah, yeah. What an interesting, yeah, what an interesting group of people. <laughs> You know, very creative, very inspirational. Uh, if you if you look at how uh, they live their lives, I think there's a lot of uh, things that we could all take away from that and improve who we are on a, on a day-to-day basis as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for the conversation today, Armando. This was absolutely wonderful. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? Well, uh, I would have them head over to Practically Commerce. Um, they can look at Practically Commerce. There's an author page for me. Uh, it tells them a little bit about me. And then also to uh, Commerce Co. by Practically Commerce. It's, it's right on the top of the Practically Commerce page. Awesome. And we'll make sure to put all those in the show notes below. So go ahead and click there. Highly recommend getting on Practical Commerce's uh, email list. They're doing an uh, incredible job. Yeah. Can't say enough good things about those guys. So you guys. <laughs> yes. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for having me on. It's been uh, an exceptional pleasure. Also a big fan of the work that you do both at Mindful Marketing and in your own business. Uh, thanks, Armando. I appreciate that. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.